Welcome to Sugar Pills, a practical guide to self-care, where your host, writer, actor, and producer Candy Washington helps you live a more joyful life with a cheeky dash of pop culture news. Be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and join the conversation on Instagram at Candy Washington. Let's go. everyone and welcome back to sugar pills a practical guide to self-care as always i'm your girl candy washington and i am so grateful for this time that i have together with you so before we dive into today's episode which i am sure will be a very inspiring and enlightening conversation with rahama wright Let's get a little housekeeping done. So if you haven't already, shop the new Love Collection. That's right. We have home decor candles and mugs and T-shirts and dresses and hoodies and sweatshirts and everything love-inspired. So head over to CandyWashington.com or shop in the show notes and description to pick to pick something up for yourself. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Or if you're watching on Instagram or on YouTube, also be sure to share with a friend and to send me a tag at Candy Washington of any of your aha moments. And I will be sure to share the love back with you. So now that we've gotten all of our housekeeping out of the way, I am so excited to bring up Rahama Wright for our lively conversation. Hi, Rahama. Welcome. Hi, Candy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yes. So for those of you who are joining and you might not be familiar with Rahama's story, she is a social entrepreneur and a leading voice on African women's economic and business development. As the CEO of Shea Yaline, a vegan Shea Butter Beauty brand, Rahama actively contributes to promoting financial empowerment for women in rural villages in Ghana by delivering training to produce, market, and sell high-quality Shea Butter. The DC-based company creates pure, unrefined vegan Shea Butter products in small, handcrafted batches, ethically sourcing from women-owned cooperatives in Ghana. I am already impressed and a little (laughs) bit fangirling, not going to lie. Yes, so Shea Yaline products, if I'm saying that correctly. You are. (laughs) Yes, yes. Shea Yaline products are currently distributed online and through select Whole Food Markets, Macy's.com, independent natural grocery stores, and MGM Resorts International. And as always, I will have everything linked in the show notes or in the description box. So you can just click and either shop or connect with Rahama as well. So hi, Rahama. Thank you so much for joining us. Candy, thank you so much for having me. I love your show and was very honored that you invited me to come and chat with you and connect with your audience. So thank you. Absolutely. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey to being an entrepreneur? How did you get your start? And what's really like your purpose and your passion behind your brand? Yeah, I mean, my journey started in a small rural village in West Africa in Mali when I was a Peace Corps volunteer. And I worked at a community health center and frequently women would come into my health center, but then they would leave unable to buy medicine or pay for their health services whether it was for themselves or for their children. And so I started researching income generating activities. And that's when I learned about this. I want I want to show you, wait, where's the camera? This is the Shea seed. Oh, yes! Yeah, can you see it? Yes, I see it, yeah. <laughs> I learned about this seed and it grows exclusively in Sub-Saharan Africa. You actually can't find the natural resource anywhere else in this world. Mm-hmm. And women are the harvesters. They're the ones that go out into their uh, communities. So in forests and in the woods, they collect and harvest the shea fruit, bring it into their communities, and then they hand make this incredible product that has been for generations, uh, the lifeblood to how they care for themselves and their families. And so as I started learning about shea butter, its connection to the lives of women in Africa, I saw a huge disconnect between what was happening in these very rural, small villages, Mm -hmm. and what was happening in the international marketplace. So that journey from the Shea tree to, you know, a retail shop historically has excluded women, women in Africa who are at the beginning of the supply chain. Mm -hmm. And so as I started learning and seeing all of these issues, I wanted to do something to, to change that. And I always say I had 
no business starting a business. <laughs> <laughs> I was in my early 20s. Yeah. I had never taken a business class. I didn't know what a profit and loss statement was. Um, all I knew was that there were these amazing women in these countries that was making this product that had become really popular in mainstream hair and skincare products, yet they were not financially benefiting. That was it. That's all I had. And yep. so that journey has been an up and down roller coaster. Definitely. And, and I love that you saw the gap between the actual people who were producing it yeah. versus the people who were profiting from it. Absolutely. And I, and I think, um, yeah, that's really sad, but, I think, but I'm happy that you saw the opportunity to close mm -hmm. that gap, to make sure that the people who are actually producing the product were the ones who would profit from it and were the ones who would actually be able to change the course of their own lives, right? So they're the ones who are like, har I'm not sure the correct term, but like harvesting that the shea butter or, you know, producing it and making it, but yet there's these big corporate suits who are actually profiting from it. And I was talking to a couple of my girlfriends about that, like, we were saying like, what's the difference between black owned versus black funded, you know, mm. or, um, and then there's also like the difference between um, just slapping on like, oh, for color or like diverse hair or for coarse hair <laughs> or kinky, but it's actually still manufactured and made by like the same production companies. So yeah. I think that um, it's really good that you saw that gap and then created that opportunity. And then I think it's also really impressive. You are in Macy's.com, you're in Whole Foods and all of that. So what was that journey kind of transitioning from um, e-commerce to getting into, into retail spaces? Yeah. Um, so let me, I just want to really quickly touch on what you were saying before. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. It's so important yeah. about how a product is made. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I completely understand why you you and your girlfriends are having that conversation because I think these days it's very confusing. Mm -hmm. um, you see a product on a shelf, but there's no connection to where it came from, who made the product, how it's made. And if you think about the continent of Africa, you know, 54 countries now, um, the majority of people who live in those countries are struggling with systemic poverty. But if you actually look at the resources in those countries, they shouldn't, nobody should be poor in those countries. And so I always say this, which is Africa, the continent is not poor. Uh, the way resources are exploited and mm -hmm. the historical context of the fact that the majority of Africans have been unable to be included. So this is an issue of, around inclusion, to be included in global supply chains that actually benefit them is really the core of the problem. Mm -hmm. um, and if we're to change it, we really need to think about how products are being made. How is it being made? Who is making it? Where does it start? And then where does it end? And that's where I focus a lot of my time in the how and the who. Um, and for, for me, as someone. Oh, no. Okay. You know, social impact through my business. Um, my focal, focal point as a diaspora is it is our responsibility to change what historically has made a lot of people in Africa in, put into a position of disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my roots and the fact that I'm connected to these communities is part of the reason why I work so hard on the business. And <laughs> to get me back to your, to your question. Oh, you no. <laughs> oh no! Wait, wait, wait! I am. Um, I actually think I think this is a meteor conversation. So I have a couple questions about that, and then we can get to that retail e-commerce part. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so to that end, do the women do they do they have a percentage in the business? Mm. Do they have ownership? Do they have stock, or do they make a certain percentage of the profits? Um, and then also, when it comes to that disparity between the actual producers versus the people who are profiting, is it? more like other nations like the United States or the UK or other nations mm -hmm. like that coming to Africa and taking the resources and then not, you know, providing back to the people? Or is it, you know, African officials or how they do business and they allow that sort of, um, I don't know what the word is, ex like exporting or in, and then they're not actually giving it back to the people who make it. So like, what does that look like? Like, why yeah. does that gap exist? Yeah. Yeah. 
Excellent questions. And I'll, I will start with how the supply chain is structured. Okay. And then I'll talk a little bit about how shaling is different. And then I'll end with the impact in the lives of the women that we work with. Perfect. So when you, uh, when I showed you uh, this seed, even mm -hmm. though it comes from Africa, so roughly 21 countries, there are approximately 16 million women across those countries that are part of the supply chain. Mm -hmm. The majority of what leaves the continent of Africa is raw material. So that seed I showed you. Gotcha. And the actual value addition of turning that seed into a product that is usable is not happening in, in, in these countries. Instead, mm -hmm. it's happening, to your point, in the UK, it's happening in Asia, it's happening in other places. Mm -hmm. And that lack of value addition, that lack of uh, being able to industrialize the process, right, for, for the community, the local communities is part of the problem because they sell the seeds for pennies. Mm. It's just you're making nothing from it. Right. But if I, Candy, give you a bar of soap, you can use that, right? Yeah. <laughs> if I give you some lotion, you can use that. So that's the value part, the, the actual adding of the value. And that's what we focus on with our communities because the women are cooperatives that we work with. When they're able to access the tools, the resources to manufacture and create a value-added product, that's moving them from pennies to dollars. Mm -hmm. And that's incorporating them in the supply chain in a way where they're benefiting from their labor instead of to what you were talking about earlier being exploited whether it's by you know local officials or foreign companies right right yeah and so the difference that shayaline brings into the supply chain is that we help women organize into cooperatives so that foundation of working together um, providing them access to production equipment and providing them access to production facilities so they have access to the tools. They're working in safe environments. They have protective gear, all of that, instead of, you know, working kind of by themselves in their homes where it's really not that safe, there are issues with quality, et cetera. Instead, we consolidate into a processing area um, where they're able to benefit from the economies of scale of working together, as well as the manufacturing equipment that they need. So that's okay. one area. We yeah. also provide a lot of training on uh, quality and mm -hmm. making sure that they're creating something that is, will meet the quality of Whole Foods, will meet the quality of Macy's, right? Um, and also just basic business skills. So understanding things like profitability, Part right. of the reason why a lot of uh, women in these areas are taken advantage of because of the lack of knowledge and information. Uh, we brought three of our women to in, in the cooperatives that we work with to, into the, uh, the stores that we when we first launched in Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. These are women who live in rural areas. They've never even traveled to the capital of their country. Now they're in New York City. Now they're in Boston. Yeah. Now they're, and it creates that awareness. It's like, wow. My work, what I do, what I'm a part of is much bigger than the small village I'm from. Yeah. And that exposure and that transparency and giving them access to a market that historically has not incorporated them is also really beneficial to them now being able to understand what the value of their work is and the value of their product. Yes. And so this leads me to my final point is, how do these women benefit? They benefit by living wages, by the work that we do and the products that we sell, increase their income five times their country's minimum wage, giving them a living wage for the very first time. Mm -hmm. You asked about ownership and whether or not they have ownership in the, our U.S.-based company. There isn't ownership in our U.S.-based company. However, we do have a Ghanaian structure. And part of the reason is it's very complicated uh, in yeah. terms of the law and taxes and everything to have foreign nationals own a U.S. company. And so that's just something that I wasn't able to incorporate into our model. However, they do have an entity in Ghana, so their country, mm -hmm. right, where they do have ownership of that. They are fully in charge of the decision making. Um, they elect their leaders. Um, part of 
it as well is they, they do something called SUSU. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but a SUSU is essentially a shared uh, savings and lending program. So that even if you're not in the cooperative, because there are women in the cooperative who have now increased their income, there's the ability to share that across the people who are in your community. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the areas that the women that we work with and the model that we create, how that is different from the traditional model and different from how shea butter has been made, you know, for for decades now. No, good. Oh no, I was just I was just gonna say too. Um, I wanted to put in context to you mm-hmm. the uh, the living wage component because that I would say is like our sweet spot. We don't do buy one give one models or buy a product <laughs> and we'll donate a percent because at the end of the day, if you increase a woman's income and get her more money into her pocket, that is a direct impact into her household. It's mm-hmm. it d- directly impacts her children. And when we, when I do my site visits and talk to women in our communities, the number one thing that they invest increased income in is sending their children to better schools or being able to even afford to send their kids to school. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's a girl child or a boy child across the board. That is, that to me is changing the life of the next generation, which is what every parent wants to do. They want their kids to have a better future than they had, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I agree 100%. And I was like taking like my little notes as you were talking. (laughs) (laughs) I don't forget. No, but I absolutely love that. And I think um, just to sort of crystallize what you're saying, I think the essence of what you did was you took the women from being a supplier to being Mm. a brand. Mm. And once they became the brand, that's when they really got to get that, the equity back. And then that's when they were able to real, even though I think that the shea uh, butter seed itself, there's so much value in that. Right. But I think once you're able to make them uh, see it as a brand and like they got to go to New York and see all that, you're right. Not only did they see the value in their product, but I bet you they also saw the value in themselves. Mm, Like, look what I created, look what I produced, look what I made and look how I fit in this huge infrastructure of what's going on in the world. Right. So I think that's super powerful and, and, and really great. Um, and then also what I loved was you talking about uh, the living wage, right? And yes, I always think it's great to like pour into the next generation and pour into children and them going to school. But what really like uh, resonated with me with that, whether we're talking about um, women from Ghana or women from America or women from Asia or wherever, just women in general, once you empower women with a living wage or with their own financial means, that mm-hmm. gives us freedom and then that gives us choice. Yes. And I think that is what is so powerful. So I, I think you're right. It's not about that we're going to give a percentage back or you know, <laughs> buy one, get one, like all of those sort of like, you know, sure, they're great, but they're a little gimmicky at a certain extent. So I do love that you pour back into the people who actually created the, the product to give them the freedom of choice. Mm. And that's what money does. It, it yeah. really gives you autonomy, right? So Preach. I love that. You're like preaching up in here. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like that's when you think that's why it's called financial freedom. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you because yeah. when you have money, yep. you have the freedom to choose how you spend it, how you spend your time, where you choose to live, who you choose to be with. A lot of women are stuck in situations because they don't have financial freedom. So there's a lot that goes into it. So what really like what really came up for me when you were talking was like, you're giving these women the freedom of choice and you're giving them the freedom to, to, to decide the trajectory of their own lives, which of course will then pour into the trajectory of their children's lives. Right. So I I love that, that really just like empowering women and then also making sure that they find the value in what they do, but they also have the value in who they are Mm -hmm. and they're no longer being exploited because the seed is literally the most powerful thing without that seed you wouldn't have any of the you know shea butter body butter lip cream hair products whatever it is it's like the power is in the seed and the fact that they are able to supply that makes them the most valuable part of the chain um and then giving them the opportunity to see that so i absolutely love that said um but then back to a little bit more about the business aspect of it. One thing I'm really like excited about to, to learn more about was, you know, what was that journey from 
like e-commerce to, to retail and getting it in the stores and what did that mean for the business and then what did it mean for for the women yeah so i um the first time i pitched our product to whole foods i walked into one of my local whole foods i'm here <laughs> yeah. and i had the soap um i had a bar of soap and i had it packaged in construction paper and a little bit of scotch tape that I put in the back. <laughs> and I walked in there and, you know, I, I found the person working in the body care section. And I was like, hi, my name is Rahma and I'm doing this. And I would love to get my products in here. And I showed her and she just looked at me like, are you, are you mad? Like, right. Like the packaging is terrible. <laughs> but again, I had no business starting this business. Um, I did not yeah. have any background. And, you know, it was like Whole Foods, they're going to like something that's like very raw feeling, yeah. like very homemade. Vegan. Um, it's right, right up their alley. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I had a lot of work to do. Um, she, was very, <laughs> she was very kind to me. <laughs> I had a lot of work to do. <laughs> I love very, it. Yeah, she was very kind. She gave me some tips and she was like, you know, you definitely need to improve your packaging. Mm -hmm. Um and then maybe a year, year and a half later, um, I learned about this program um, called, uh, it was uh, Youth Trade. And it was a program Youth that Trade. Whole Foods was launching um, through their North Atlantic region. And it was a program to support the next generation of conscious capitalists. Um, and so John Mackey, the founder, the co-founder of Whole Foods, his whole uh, business philosophy is that capitalism can be conscious. You just don't need to make profit um, by all means. You can make profit and also do good. And so they wanted to bring and create a pipeline of companies that had that same philosophy. And so I applied to the program. And essentially what the program did was it got you in the door, right? Mm -hmm. You still had to like do the work, but it at least put you in touch with the people that you needed to speak with to get an opportunity and they could say yay or nay. And um, I got into the program. I pitched it to the regional buyer. Um, her name is Emma and she loved it, but she was like, ah, you, you, you still need to tweak a few things. My packaging had improved, but I still needed. <laughs> and she, you know, gave me a couple of hours of her time um, and just like gave me some pointers, pointed me in the right direction. And that kind of created uh, this journey of me figuring out what I would need to do to get into retail. Mm -hmm. um, I actually didn't really have a huge online presence. Right now with COVID-19, I've been looking more at our e-commerce and our digital. Yeah. But because I was going through this program and um, it took up a lot of time, effort, and, you know, one woman shop. I really didn't have the bandwidth to like figure out retail and also e-commerce. And so right. I just went with it. I went with, I went with retail and that was in 2014. Um, we launched in, it was like six or seven stores. And then by that spring we were in 20. And then from there we moved from one region to another region. And then we brought, you know, our women to like tour the stores with me which was a trip, Aww. like a huge trip. We literally got, I got a rental car because I didn't have a car at the time. I got mm -hmm. a rental car, picked them up from the airport. And for like 21 days, we were just on the road <laughs> going from store to store to store. And it was so funny because it was interesting to see their ex them experiencing America in the same way I experienced um, Molly when I was a Peace Corps yeah. volunteer. And they would ask me questions like, why do Americans like ice in their water? <laughs> what it's is refreshing? That yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, it's too cold. They were always like, don't put ice in my water. I just want it room temperature. Right. And just noticing that, you know, the, the types of things that would like attract them or they'd be excited about. Um, it, it to me, honestly, out of everything I've experienced with Shailene, that has been like the best thing to be able to give them that experience because it's so mm -hmm. rare that suppliers um, and producers can actually get to the to the part of the supply chain where it's the market side and interact with buyers and touch base with customers. Um, and so that was kind of the journey to get into retail. Uh, and then from there, 
I uh, pitched MGM about mm -hmm. two and a half, almost three years later. Mm -hmm. um, they were opening up a location outside of DC and they were building a spa and they were looking for products to put in their spa and also use in their Perfect. spa. Yeah. And so I went to, there was like an open call to like meet the procurement team. And so I went and I like pitched and gave samples and then I didn't hear anything for months, but I kept like every couple of weeks I would like send a note. Hi, just Hi. Back in. hello. And so for, for your listeners and your audience who are just like thinking to themselves, oh, you know, I want to get a product into retail. Mm -hmm. The advice I would give to them is um, make sure your packaging <laughs> is legit and, you know, you have great packaging. And then also understand that it's something that might is not going to happen overnight, mm -hmm. but it's really important to just figure out who you need to talk to and then build as much as you can a relationship with that person. The procurement director, for example, at MGM, he took my products and then he was like, let me see if my wife likes these products. <laughs> and so he gave them to his wife. Mm -hmm. She loved the products. And then he was like, my wife loves the products. I'll introduce you to the spa director. And then I like, I will never forget when the spa director confirmed a meeting with me, I went to the meeting with like little samples of scents because they said they wanted to like experience different scents outside of our core. We were going to create like a custom line for them. Oh, that's And great. it was like the most DIY like <laughs> thing I've ever done. I literally had like these little tiny containers and like vials of scent. Yeah. And I just sat there like, and I was like, so. <laughs> I love it. But they loved it. And they're yeah. like, we would love to work with you. And, you know, to, to this day, of course, with COVID-19, that really impacted our, that side of the business. But to, no, the, definitely. to this day, I still have really great relationships with all of them. I love that. I love that. And then once everything settles with, um, you know, COVID and everything, it, it'll get back on the upkeep. But yes. um, I loved how, first, I love that I had to check myself because I'm such like a digital person that I default that every brand starts e-commerce and then transitions mm. to retail, but that's yeah. not true. That's not every brand's journey and it doesn't have to be. And you actually started with retail and yeah. now more going into uh, e-commerce. So that's a good reminder that you don't have to start with e-commerce. You can start with retail, you know, whatever makes most the most sense for like you and your brand. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to just default to e-commerce first, but like my mind is always like, oh, online than retail. So it was good that you um, brought that up and that wasn't your experience and like, that's good and that's okay. Um, other things that came up for me hearing your story was, you know, you went into the program. So do your research, look for programs, whether they're local, Absolutely. virtual, national, there's programs out there to get your ideas started, to get funding, to get the connections, to get those pipeline, to get into the pipeline. So do your research. And also the power of mentorship. You know, you said that you um, took the time to get a couple of hours of the the buyer's, you know, guidance and insights, you know, get someone who has either done it before or in a position that, that would be in a position to buy what you're selling yeah. on a big sell on a big scale, you know, have that humility, check the ego and be able to take that feedback because yes. they're just trying to pour into you. Cause there are some people who are so precious about their stuff. Like, what do you mean you don't like this font? Like, okay, the font's ugly get over it um so we just have to make sure that we're able to check our egos take the feedback and get the mentorship to create a more viable uh enhanced product so i love that you talked about that and then also like uh the third tier is like you're saying like relationships you know have those relationships with people um cultivate them do the check-ins you know keep that going because you never know what opportunity could come out of that relationship whether it's today tomorrow or a year from now but having those relationships are kind of the strongest thing you can have across any industry people work with people that they know like and trust what your product could not be the best product but if you have a better relationship you're guaranteed you're more likely to Absolutely. get it done that so, is so true so work and cultivate those relationships. So I love those three points that your story brought up. And then also I wanted to talk about something that you also touched upon, which is like the mindset of, to me, it was persistence, right? So you persist just because it doesn't happen in a month 
maybe you hear a no or no, not right now, or you need to work on this. You could, you persist, you continue yep. to push forward. If it's a no at this place, it might be a yes at this place. Just keep going, persist, evolve and pivot, take that feedback and keep going. And then also, I think you have actually had a great mindset for business because when you're saying <laughs> I had no businesses to, to start business, I think that's actually great because you didn't have those self-limiting beliefs set in already because a, a lot of people would say well my packaging isn't perfect so i'm not gonna try <laughs> you know or they would say oh like well i don't have you know these like <laughs> like all of the scents all packaged up and super pretty so I'm, I'm gonna not go to the meeting i'm not gonna do it it's not good enough you know people kind of self-sabotage through having thinking things have to be perfect or things have to be a certain way or only until i am this can i get that right so i actually think your mindset was a service to you rather than a disservice to you because a lot of people will talk themselves out of fulfilling their own destinies based on their own self-limiting beliefs but you're just like hey i have this product here's some construction paper and some tape what's up you know it's like you brought that humanity to it right and then you're like i got these little vials like hey like you want to like skirt some and like you know, sea mist, sea breeze, right. sandalwood, you know, whatever it is, you know, cinnamon, like whatever. And you brought your, you brought your authenticity to it. You brought your, your humanity to it. And I think that's what people connect to because yeah. again, regardless of what your product is, people are buying into you. They're buying into your story. They're buying into you as the person. Like if you, I don't watch a lot of Shark Tank, I probably should start, but I think like that's kind of what it shows there too, where it's like the people are there pitching, but they're never pitching the product. They're right. pitching the story. Yeah. Because that is what people ultimately want to buy into. You know, is this a person that I want to invest in? Is this a person I want to see win? Is this a person I could see myself working with for the next year or five or 10 if this relationship continues. So I think that you brought your authenticity, your, you brought your humanity to it, you brought your story to it, and that's what people really connected with. Um, and I loved your mindset. I had no business starting a business, and that's why you're successful, right? Because you're just like, I'm just gonna do it anyway. And right. I, I, I love that. And I think people need to have more of that mind more of that type of mindset. And I'm not mm -hmm. talking about any religion or anything like this, but there's like some scripture where it's like, have a childlike mind. Mm -hmm. And what that really means is have a childlike mind where you believe in the possibility of the goodness of this world, yes. where you believe in curiosity, where yes. you haven't yet been taught that something about you isn't good enough. Right. That's what having a childlike mind actually means. It's like believing that this is gonna work out, believing yeah. it's okay, like believing in asking the questions, right? So I, I love that. It's almost that like, well, I had no business starting a business, but here I am, I did it right. anyway. <laughs> so I absolutely, I absolutely love all of that. And then I also wanted to see, did you have any, um, inspiring stories from from any of like the women who worked with you anything that like that they said really transformed their life or mm. just all of that stuff yeah no i just wanted to like piggyback of what oh, yeah. off of what you just said in terms of like i really i don't even think at any point in time did i think oh this is not gonna work it was always how can I make it work? Mm. And I also think my I level love of like complete like ignorance, I don't even know if ignorance is the right word, but I truly, I don't have any beauty experience. It was all. your belief system. Yeah. That's what it is. You had the belief. You had the yeah. belief that, again, I don't, your, 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 your belief was this is going to work. Now we're just going to figure out how it's going to work. Right. Like there wasn't the opportunity. There wasn't the space for anything else. Right. And when you make that decision that this is how it's going to be, mm -hmm. that is when everything opens up for you. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I just really, this is completely like a, a you know, sidebar, but um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I saw, I saw King Richard over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen the movie, you have to see it because literally their dad was like that. He was like, these two girls are going to change the world, period. There's just like, you know, and I, I what you're saying just really resonates with me in the sense mm -hmm. of it starts with believing. And you literally, for me, there was absolutely nothing that would have confirmed that belief 
besides actually taking the first steps and trying. Mm-hmm. Like there is, if you looked at like my background, the lack of money, the lack of contacts, like mm-hmm. not my knowledge, not even knowing much about the industry. If you looked at that and said, oh, wow, she's going to get into retail. Oh, wow. She's going to work with 14 villages and 800 women in her supply chain. And she's going to do that. You, you would have been like, that's crazy. That's just not yep. going to happen. And I think um, what you were saying before that limiting belief, yep. if you can't overcome that, it's going to be hard to overcome the other things because mm-hmm. the journey of entrepreneurship is so difficult. And for me, it actually has been a spiritual practice and part of my spiritual practice. Oh, and girl. Like- yes. <laughs> take, take it there. Take it there. Take it there. Take it there. It has been mm-hmm. to believe in something that you can't physically see. Like at times, faith. Kind of, that, is, yes, that is faith. That is faith. That is exactly. faith. That is what faith is. Yes, exactly. The belief in things unseen. That is yes. exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. And so, but in the same way, the, at least in my journey, what I've come to understand about faith, it literally is a process of. Um, you don't know how strong your faith is unless it's tested mm-hmm. and you don't, it won't be tested unless you're trying for something. Especially oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like something that feels impossible. And I think that that's what we're called to do is to truly try for the most impossible thing in our, you know, you know, within our world, right? Whatever that world may be, we're all in different mm-hmm. industries, different sectors, have different passions, etc. And in the same way, the, you know, if, if I want to lose weight, I have to like exercise and work on my muscle. It's faith is the same thing. It's just not you wake up and you have it. You actually, it's, there's a process of doing an action that activates it. But anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a no, it's true. No, no, no. It's the. I mean, you're on the self care podcast, girl. Like this is what, this is, what, this is the, the conversation we're supposed to be having. No, because it's true. Faith without works is dead. Yes. So it's like because if without the works, right, or the inspired action, right, then there's no need for faith. Mm-hmm. If there's nothing to be done, there's nothing to have faith in. Yeah. So you have to do something. And then yeah. the faith is believing in the goodness that it will work out. Yes. That the yes. end result will, will work out. But you have to do, you have to act, you have to do the work. And the faith yes. is that it will work out. And so, yeah, mm. I, I definitely believe in that. And then it's also like the um, the belief in that, A, that you, that you matter. Mm, that that who you are matters therefore what you contribute to this world is valuable yes and that's what i was sort of getting at with the um with the women realizing Mm -hmm. that like oh wait a minute like what i'm doing is valuable in this world exactly so if what i'm doing is valuable in the world then i must be worthy too right so it's that that belief in that value and that and that worthiness yes absolutely and 100 you know you're right this this idea of self-care and part of how we define it at Shailene mm-hmm. is generous self-care. So mm-hmm. it's this idea of generosity that we can actually deeply care for ourselves and it extends to the care of others. And so mm-hmm. the types of products that we use, the types of things that we engage in to take care of us can also have this ripple effect of caring for our community members and caring for others in the world. Um, and that's the practice that I'm hoping our brand will be able to help other people tap into. Yes, it is. <laughs> it, it's 100%. And, and you're exactly right. Like, until you take care of yourself fully, you can't actually take care of anybody else. You know, it's sort of like when people who have like codependent personalities or people pleasers or caretakers, they get so depleted within themselves mm. thinking they're taking care of everybody else, but then they end up resenting or being, right. you know, spread too thin or all of that stuff because you have to fill your own cup up first. What is in your cup is for you. What flow is over is for everybody else. The overflow is for you. What's inside my cup is for me. Yeah. So you have to fill your own cup up. You have to take care of yourself first. And then from that place of being full then you are able to give. Yes. So what you're saying is exactly <laughs> is exactly right. And that's sort of how I am. Um, we also 
um, talk a lot about the difference between self-love and self-care because sometimes mm. they get conflated. And to me, I think self-love to me is just what is your relationship to yourself? Is it yeah. compassionate? Is it forgiving? Is it graceful? Is it loving? Like it's really just cultivating a compassionate, loving, graceful, self-forgiving relationship with you, making yourself yeah. your best friend. And then self-care is the practices and the tools that we do to cultivate that relationship. Like having, you know, your, um, your, your Shailene products and taking that time to, you know, lather up and yeah. connect with your body and yourself and like smell the Shay and know that you're mm -hmm. actually, that your dollars are going to help another woman be more empowered. So not only you're taking care of yourself, but you're also empowering another woman. So yeah. it all goes into that. It's the intentionality behind it. And that's what I also love about your brand and your company. It's so intentional. Like your, like your, your brand is purposeful yeah. and like an actual concrete specific way, not sort mm. of these like our corporate responsibilities. Like get out of here with that, right? <laughs> I don't want to hear your boiler point. Like how are you actually affecting change in the lives that actually matter, right? Yeah. Um, so I love that. I love that your brand is extremely intentional. It's extremely purposeful. And it's also very clear how you're actually helping. Yeah. Like it's very, very transparent and your story is very authentic and you bring humanity to it. And I think anybody listening to you or watching you or engaging in your products see that. Like when you were talking about your journey, I thought of the woman from Spanx, you know, how she yeah. now has like a billion dollar brand, but she was the same. She started, she was just like working. I don't, I forgot what she was doing, but it was like yeah. a very, like a waitress or something like that. You know what I mean? And she got this idea and she did not stop. She went to the yeah. suppliers and was like, I want to make this. I want to make this. And the supplier who ultimately started making the designs for her kind of was just like, Oh, huh, look at this little girl, right. you know, running around like this is quaint. <laughs> this is cute. And then she went and she just knocked down those doors yeah. and now look at her, you know? Yeah. So it's sort of that same, that same journey. And I feel like you guys are on that same trajectory to really like, you're already making the impact, but even on a bigger level. Yeah. No, speak it into existence. I'm yes. soaking it all up. <laughs> yes. I will, I will feed into you. Okay. So <laughs> Shay Holen is definitely going to be a billion dollar skincare lifestyle beauty brand. Absolutely. Yes. You will diversify. You're going to have new products. You're going to be doing it. I love it. I love it. Oh, thank you. Where two or more are gathered. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I do that all the time. Trust and believe all of the time. Like me and my girlfriends, I'm like, okay, so what are we speaking today? Right. <laughs> like, what are we speaking it. today? Decree it and declare it. I'm telling you. <laughs> all of the time. All the time. Well, I wanted like, to, to um, yeah, get back to you the question that you were you asked me about the women and like what are oh, some yeah. of the stories that they've shared, and I can share two really quick ones. Um, yeah. One is of Gladys, and she actually traveled to the U.S. and visited the stores that we worked at, um, that we were launched in in Whole Foods, mm -hmm. and she was able to save enough money to open up a food stand um, in in her like near her courtyard. And from that, she was able to employ her next door neighbor. Mm. And so this next door neighbor never worked with Shailene, like is not part of the cooperative, but because Gladys was able to start another business that gave her enough income to now give money to someone else in her community. So that's one story. And then another one is Masana and they both live in different communities. And um, Masamana, uh, her, she's a widow, so her husband passed away. And when her husband passed away, her in-laws asked her to move because they wanted the, the uh, yeah, the property. And this happens Ooh. all the time, all the time. Like it's one of the things, um, and one of the challenges that women have is they don't own land. Um, and typically there's no wills like there are here and, and mm -hmm. you know, everything is kind of like based on custom and tradition. And so when her in-laws were like, okay, see you later, like, you know, she now had to figure out what to do because it was herself. And then her daughter, who was at the time, I believe six or seven. Mm -hmm. And so she moved in with one of her relatives, but then she was able to save enough money to build out her own place. And so that gave her a safe landing place. So even though she didn't have the ability to 
own, you know, based on the property that her husband left behind, she was able to save enough income to build something else that her and her daughter was able to live in. Her, her daughter, and then her uh, daughter-in-law and her child. Mm -hmm. And so those are just some of the examples of the challenges and issues that women are facing on a fairly regular basis. And to what you said, and it's so funny that you talked about choice because we have a sign. I was just going to say that, yeah. Empowerment means having choices. Exactly. And, you know, when you were saying, I'm like, she's literally reading my mind over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Because exactly what you're talking about. She now had freedom. Yeah. She had freedom to choose where, like, where will she live? What will she do? She had freedom to choose the type of life for her and her daughter. And then the, and then the first um, late uh, woman that you spoke about, the thing that came up for me was that she was able to now create her own ecosystem. Yes. You know, yeah. like you guys created uh, one ecosystem and then now she's able to go out and have other people, you know, almost by proxy, create their own other ecosystem that they're now able to participate in the financial benefits of that, which, yeah. I, which is great. You know, you guys have like the big ecosystem. Now she can go out and make hers. Now that person go out and make theirs and theirs and theirs and theirs. And then exactly. you can see the tr how connected it is and how you were able to create this network. Of, of empowerment and wealth and choice. And I, and I absolutely love that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, because you, you really did. You, you, you transformed them from being suppliers into being their own entrepreneurs. Exactly. Into being their own brands. Into being empowered women. And you're 100% right. Empowerment means choice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what we're all really seeking. We're all seeking the freedom to choose mm -hmm. how we experience this world. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No. Oh, this has been so amazing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for so your time. So we talked about so many great things. We did. My cup is full and it's <laughs> flowing over. So do you have any uh, parting words of wisdoms for everybody listening and watching? And again, where you connect with uh, Rahama and where you can shop Shady Yaleen will all be um, linked in the show notes and the description box. But do you want to share with us uh, one insight or one word of wisdom or one piece of guidance that we should take away? <sighs> I think it goes back to um, what we were talking about before in terms of caring for self and that can extend beyond ourselves. And as people are, you know, heading into the holiday season and we're coming up on a new year, I think it's just so important to take that time and do that reflection because every day we're creating the world, mm -hmm. whether it's the world we want to be in or it's the world that we don't want to be in. Every day we're in this like, cycle of creation. Mm -hmm. And if we are to create a world that is kinder, a world where we're all protected, where all of us have access to those choices that some of us take for granted, right? Mm -hmm. It starts with really getting in tune with our real purpose and why we're here. Because I think that when we tap into that, we the only option is creating a better world. Absolutely. Like that that's that's the only outcome. Like but I do think that it's so easy to like fall into just chasing things just to chase them. Mm -hmm. But if we literally like just take a moment and just go inward and really think about the purpose. And I think a lot of times people feel like they need an external validation of their purpose. Mm -hmm. and you don't. You really don't. But when you like, and it's not something that is hidden or secret from us. We all know. Yeah. We all know. And I think that in this kind of season of gratitude, season of transition and going into a new year, find that time to really. Okay. Oh, I don't know if I got lost. I was just saying. Oh, you know, just for like a second, but you're, oh, you're good okay. now. You know, find that time to really tap into to to that purpose and to whatever it, it, it is inside that you already know is there. Hundred percent. Oh, I love that. And I would say the last thing that um, what I really loved from our conversation is 
that making your individual life better through the mm. work that you do is enough. Mm. You know, I loved how you were like, we're not going to do like, oh, percentage to this and buy one, get one and give away and all that stuff. That just making the life of the people who produce this better in and of itself is enough. Mm. And I and I, I, I love I absolutely love that because I think it's true. I think especially as entrepreneurs, sometimes we feel like we have to have this pretense of we're going to give to charity and to the mammals and, and to climate change. And <laughs> da, 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 da. but I think when you script because in order to like validate wanting to be successful, but I think you're 100 percent right. Just go inward. What is your purpose? And making this life better is enough. And then that will inherently make the next life you touch better, too. So yeah. I, I absolutely love that. Thank so you for that affirmation. Thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for being um, authentic and transparent, because I think <laughs> once people are honest about things, then it gives other people permission to be honest, too. Yeah. And I'm I totally believe that if I if I'm making my life better in an authentic mm -hmm. way, I will inherently make the next person life I touch better. Yes. But knowing that making my life better is enough in and of itself. That gives yes. me authentic power to show up fully in my life. And that is impactful. Absolutely. Again, Absolutely. preaching. Yes. Woo, woo. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rahama, and for everybody watching. Yes, and for everybody watching and listening, be sure to go into our show notes, click where you can support, connect, shop, and buy, and share. So thank you so much, everyone. Again, always subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, give us a rate and review, head over to Instagram at Candy Washington, give me a follow, shoot me a DM, tag us with any of your aha moments, and I'll be sure to show you some love. And don't forget to share this because your journey to love and self-worth is always better with a friend. It's always better with some, with some support. So until next time, be well, take care of yourself and each other. Bye. Welcome to Sugar Pills, a practical guide to self-care, where your host, writer, actor, and producer Candy Washington helps you live a more joyful life with a cheeky dash of pop culture news. Be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and join the conversation on Instagram at Candy Washington. Let's go.